Welcome to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. We got a heck of a show, or maybe an okay show, ahead of you today. We'll be talking MPJ and that creaky back of his. We're going to talk about Bruce Brown, raining threes on the Lakers. Christian Brown, everybody's favorite rookie. Jamal Murray, Zeke Naji, why can't that guy get on the floor? Plus, much, much more coming up next. Welcome to another edition of the Nuggets, Inc. podcast. Your host, Matt Schubert, sitting next to Mike Singer in my beautiful Lincoln Park abode. Royal dog sitting across from Mike Singer. Real dog chewing bone underneath Mike Singer. It's all good. You might hear it in the podcast. We're eh, about 12 hours removed from the Nuggets just destroying the Lakers. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, again, still processing that game. The Lakers still winless. I think we are contractually obligated as a outlet that covers the Nuggets to mention the Lakers up front. I believe that's how this yeah, yes. this, this oh, media game works. Speaking of contractual obligations, I almost forgot. This podcast is presented by Ivaca TV. Yes. Back to you. Um, so I think that there was a lot of questions coming out of that Portland game. Where were they defensively? Certainly against Oklahoma City and then against Portland. They could not defend whatsoever. I mean, one-on-one. From is the, Portland good? Portland, Portland's better than I was ready for them to be. They And they are a plucky team that plays hard. And we've talked about this before. If the Nuggets' uh, effort level fluctuates at all, they are a team that can get exposed when, when your effort level fluctuates, a la the Utah Jazz, a la the Portland Trailblazers. Right. I mean, and... But also a team that beat the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco. Yeah, so they have that capability too. So a little bit of heckle, heckle and Jekyll and Hyde. There you uh, go. You gonna do heckle and Jekyll? No, heckle and Jide. <laughs> a little heckle and Jide uh, for the uh, for the Nuggets uh, so far this early campaign. Three and two on the year, and you know. In that third quarter, I think they limited the Lakers to just 17 points. I think 45 points in the second half. That was a committed defensive effort. Their closeouts were good. They ended possessions with defensive rebounds. And it was just like Mike Malone got to them. They Can I just interject? Yeah. Also, the, the Lakers have almost no shooters on their team. And, and it's pretty easy to defend that team at this point. As easy as it can be with a team that has LeBron James on it. I mean, I'm going to make the parallel. You know, and I wrote this earlier this week. How do you make Nikola Jokic even more dangerous? You surround him with shooters. Why was LeBron James uh, able to win a championship in Cleveland and in Miami? Because they put shooters around him. What do the Lakers lack? Yeah, you, <laughs> you get it. Um, so it became, I mean, yes, the Lakers hung with them for uh, the first half, but there is a significant talent disparity. Um, the Lakers are 0-4. I think they go to Minnesota next who's historically given them trouble. Um, the Lakers could very well, I was looking at their schedule, could very well be 2-8 and eight through their first 10 games, and that is a death sentence in the Western Conference if you have designs on a playoff run. So uh, last night, uh, my colleague Sean, Sean Keeler wrote it, um, one, more co- one more nail in the coffin 
uh, for the Lakers, for LeBron James, um, as Bruce Brown, uh, all everything Bruce Brown plays nine different positions on a five position court, um, 18 points, I think, uh, four, four, three, four, four three pointers, five rebounds, four assists, a couple steals, like the dude is just everywhere. And the Nuggets got him for mid-level money on the second day of free agency. What other NBA GMs were doing, I'm not sure. But chalk this one up for a win for our guy Calvin Booth. If that's the Bruce Brown that they're going to get, I don't think I would be worried if Michael Porter Jr. missed like 20 to 30 games this year. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is is Bruce Brown started at the three last night. We know he can play the one. He started at the one. He started at the three. He's come off the bench at the one, two, three, and four. The only thing he hasn't played is is center because uh, they got DeAndre Jordan holding down the fort. He's also six foot five. So, I mean, <laughs> you could put him at center, but he's not really a center. I loved what he had to say last night. He was talking about uh, when I'm guarding a guy who's bigger than me, I can rough them up, and because of my reputation, the referees let me get away with a lot, which is just a fantastic admission. Um, and I, the thing I've noticed about Bruce Brown is he's kind of got like a small man complex, which, I mean, a small guy like packed into like a big guy's mentality. And that is a, I mean, it's kind of similar body to like a P.J. Tucker type, but way more of a skill set than P.J. Tucker. Um, right, he can actually dribble a basketball. Can dribble, can shoot. We'll remind you that he's a 40% three-point shooter. Anytime uh, that gets brought up, e- even basketball gets brought up, hey, guys, I'm a 40% three-point shooter last year. <laughs> um, and uh, can handle, can can screen. He's a big guard like Jamal is. Um, maybe he's a guard. I'm not really sure what he is, but I do know that Michael Malone loves him. I do know that Nikola Jokic loves him. I asked Joker last night, what's your favorite part? about playing with uh, Bruce Brown. And he goes, he is he, he has some crazy, crazy energy. And he's like, I love that. And it's just like all the time. He's he's always, you know, bringing positive energy to the gym. Um, he's only five years in the NBA. And Michael Malone says that he is a, he acts and carries himself like a seasoned vet, uh, maybe 10 years in the NBA. So it's just, they hit a home run with Bruce Brown. Um, from a culture standpoint, from a personality standpoint, from a skill set standpoint. Um, and oh, by the way, to your point, if Michael Porter Jr. is out for, for whatever reason, management, any back spasms, any tweak, whatever we're going to call it, um, Bruce Brown is more than capable. And uh, as we saw last night, he's not scared to uh, throw a couple jabs in LeBron James's direction either. So we broached on it. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, did not play last night. Uh, sort of mixed messaging from the Nuggets there. Uh, first message, lumbar, lumbar spine management. That sounds like something. And then uh, Malone later said back spasms. That, now that sounds more real to me. Um, what, what, what is the takeaway from this? And you, you saw him work out yesterday. You saw him shoot around, and now you have my dog climbing up your shoulder. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> tell me, uh, what, what do you, what do you uh, take away from the, the MPJ news? Uh, I think that everybody needs to be cautious with him. I think that it was a little bit of like a pinch-me situation um, when he played all five preseason games and, you know, and, and the initial plan was Michael Malone wanted to rest him uh, for a game. And, and Michael Porter did not want to. He said, I'm in such a good flow. Just let me play. Just I didn't get a regular offseason. Let me get my legs under me. 
Um, Is that where you just tell Michael Porter Jr. like, nah, that's great, but you're sitting? Yeah, so, you know, definitely a, a little bit of mixed messaging. Uh, we heard, you know, on the injury report, he's listed as out due to lumbar spine management, which is fine. Um, the Nuggets did talk about trying to practice some caution in, in bringing both him and Jamal Murray back into the rotation. Only problem is, is that didn't really happen uh, throughout the preseason. Uh, Porter insisted on playing all five games. He felt good, even though Michael Malone wanted to rest him. That's cool. Um, you play the first four games. In my opinion, it, it appeared like he was hampered a little bit, maybe tweaked the back in the second half or late in the first half against Portland. And to his credit, he played through it. Um, I asked Michael Malone prior to the Lakers game on Wednesday night if he aggravated anything. And because I screwed up the wording, uh, Michael Malone fixated on the fact that I deemed him out prior to him officially being labeled out. And uh, Michael Malone danced around that question like Nikola Jokic spinning out of a triple team. Yeah. So Michael Malone, um, at some point, does he just have to be a voice of reason to Michael Porter Jr. on some of these things where he says, listen, I know you feel great. I know things are going well. But you're just going to have to sit this game because we want to keep you fresh. Again, I think that there was they were living in a little bit of a, a perfect optimistic bubble uh, after this third back surgery. He, you know, was moving really well. The shots there, shooting 50% from three to start the year. Everyone's like, okay, are we good here? Are, you know, uh, what kind of eggshells are we walking on? How sturdy are these eggshells? And, you know, the, the back flares up. Malone admitted after the game. He said that he had back spasms um, against Portland. And, and, you know, everything I had heard, it wasn't the, the concern was not big. But that being said, you have to scale this concern. This is a guy who has a history of this type of thing. Um, you understand why there is uh, red flags or eyebrows get raised when you see him appear on, on an injury report after not looking fluid and not moving well against Portland. So there is, you know, there is a benefit of the doubt that I'm not sure is there. Um, with Michael Porter. That being said, uh, Michael Malone uh, turned down the temperature. He said, yes, I expect him to play Friday against Utah, A, and B, uh, you know what? He texted Michael Malone uh, Wednesday morning and said, this is what I'm dealing with. That being said, I'm available to play if you need me. Um, and to me, that speaks volumes. That says Michael is not worried about himself, um, which to your point, do they do, do they need somebody intervening? I, he says he wants to play eighty games. I you know I I just don't think he should be doing that. And and, and to me, I don't know. Just exercise caution with a player who clearly wants to be out there all the time, but probably shouldn't. Yeah, and I think that's where we're at with him. Um, and I do think you know that that my, that perfect uh, optimism bubble I think was popped a little bit, and it was like, all right, you know, this is still a guy with a serious medical history and. And I think we need to be careful with him. Uh, so I expect them to be uh, more prudent and not just take his word at face value and say, that's cool, Mike. We're thrilled that you're ha that, that you're in a good place physically. That being said, we're going to hold you out on back-to-backs. On -back. We're going to hold you out when we play three and four or five and eight, as I think the Nuggets opened up with, something like that. When I hear back spasms, the thing that comes to mind to me is – Steve Nash laying on the baseline in between stints on the court. You think we ever see something like that with Mike? Man, I hope not. Um, I hope not. You you know, you just, you want to believe that, and, and I asked Porter this, he said, you know, the doctors gave me uh, indications that this was past, this was in the past, and that this was, 
something I wasn't going to have to deal with. Um, I think, you know, every, the, the common refrain is whoever says I, I had back back injuries or right. back pain. That's the that's what everybody says. It's Always like, recurring. It's like, all right. Um, that being said, Michael Porter is going to need to learn to manage this. What is his pain tolerance? He, you know, he actually doesn't get enough credit for this, but in the Phoenix series um, two years ago after they beat Portland, he was playing in a lot of pain. Um, and he played through that and he wasn't himself. He said he wasn't right, but he played through it. So this dude is a tough guy. Um, you know, I, I can't even imagine the kind of excruciating pain three back surgeries, uh, could yield. So to some degree, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think that a lot more red flags would, would have arisen if he would not have played, if he was not scheduled to play against Utah, then it's like, all right, you can't, you can't call this under the guise of injury management um, when you're not playing for you know two consecutive games because you got the rest. It would have been four consecutive days off and now longer because they, they, they play Sunday at the Lakers. So um, this is going to be, I mean, shocking, shockingly, this is going to be a recurring thing and constantly going to have to keep an eye on on Michael Porter Jr. and how he's how he's feeling. Um this is, you know, this is where we're at with him. Um that being said, like I saw him work out at shoot around uh Wednesday morning. He, he I'm not kidding you, he made like 23 pointers in a row. It was obviously impressive and then he worked out again prior to the game and I think a lot of him wanting to do those public front facing workouts is to quiet the noise and quiet the chatter. He says he doesn't see it. He says it doesn't um, enter his frame of mind. Dude's human. Dude, just like anybody else. It's tough to ignore chatter when you have a history and a precedent that he does. And as mature as he's trying to become, um, still human, still has a phone, unless uh, he lives up in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park uh, on, uh, on off days. Don't think he's hanging out with the elk. So, all right, let's get to some positive developments here. Christian Brown. Uh, I think it took about a half for him to supplant Davon Reed as the guy on the wing coming off the bench. And got to say, he's looked great. The The last night, uh, he was guarding LeBron one-on-one, ably, I would say. He hit some open shots, hustle plays, rebounds. Seems like he just has a knack for, one, playing hard and being in the right spot. What, what do you think? I think that's dead on. And I, every time I've interacted with Christian, I've been impressed with his poise. Like, he acts like he belongs. He acts like he, he doesn't blink. He's not phased by, oh, I'm in the NBA. Uh, oh, my first assignment is Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole. My next assignment is Damian Lillard, although I will say he looked a little shaky uh, on Damian Lillard. Uh, that's probably not a good matchup for him. <laughs> I mean, which is which is fair, but like to his credit, you know, he's bounced back to the next night and he's switching on to LeBron. LeBron was actively trying to engineer that mismatch last night. Um, and he went at Christian and Christian didn't blink. He 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 played good defense. Yes, LeBron scored on him once or twice, but like the positioning was there the the stability and the muscle and the and and just keeping his chest in front of him that was there and i've seen that consistently with christian how it just in his balance and how he's centered when he guards people and malone i mean and as much as malone can love a rookie he loves this dude and it's not just malone it's joker it's jamal it's um 
Bruce Brown, it's KCP. They all have found something in this rookie. And, you know, Calvin Booth, one of his things that he always says is, NBA players, real recognize real. NBA players, if they vouch for you, that is a giant endorsement. That is more of an endorsement than uh, Calvin Booth can make of a talent from a talent evaluation standpoint. That's one of the reasons why he drafted Peyton Watson was because players said he can hold his own in pickup games, and like that matters. That and so you know when I see Christian Brown, it's kind of like. He just he's like sand that fills in all the gaps. That's what I think of him as. Is he just plugs gaps, doesn't need points but but can hit from 3, ch- like charges at the rim um without hesitation, plays aggressively. Bruce Brown told him last night, "Don't lay anything up. You have among the most bounce, that's a quote, most bounce on the team." Got blocked by the rim last night though. Dunk on everyone's head. That is, uh, that's what they're telling Christian. And there's just, I mean, if you could measure just momentum and stock, um, people are feeling Christian Brown. And, you know, it's not hard to see why. I, I would say the, the thing that jumps out to me, other than the stuff that you have mentioned, is that he never looks lost. You know, usually when you have a rookie at some point, they're like kind of looking around like where am I supposed yeah, to be yeah, deer in the headlights you know that sort of thing defensively positioning switching communicating all of those sorts of things you don't really see that with him now he's not I think what has now become the traditional NBA rookie in that he played several years in college right chalk uh, one up for the developmental guys yes yes <laughs> and he's so he's one of those players that was able to develop and fine-tune and refine their abilities in college and what you see now is you know, maybe that means his ceiling isn't as high. I think you could argue. Maybe. 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 Uh, but but he's a ready-to-play NBA player. Can you be a contributing player? Um, immediately. Immediately. And, and you know, when Calvin Booth is, is making his assessments of this team, who are guys that can help me in June? Meaning, if you look across the, the conference, um, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, you look at the Boston Celtics, who are guys that can check or limit or inhibit a little bit Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown um, who can just get in people's grill and just and 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 make it just live in their jersey and make it a little bit difficult and and Christian fits that bill and and as I'm watching him um, just do all the dirty work uh, a comparison uh, like I, I kind of conjured a comparison and I don't know if it's apt I don't know if I'm going to get crushed for it or not um, and, and we can also deem it recency bias because we just saw this player um, in in one of the Nuggets' most recent games. Here, are, you, are you sitting down, Matt? I you you teased this to me as well, so I don't know who this is. He reminds me of Josh Hart. Oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, a six. He's he's actually kind of bigger though, isn't he? Bigger he than is, Josh. He is. Uh, Christian Brown is six 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 seven. Josh Hart is six five six six plays bigger, does all the dirty work, crashes the glass, positionally versatile, not a huge upside offensive guy, but in terms of just all of the the, the high glue, IQ high as well. IQ, all the glue stuff, that's Christian. And I mean, Josh Hart destroyed the Nuggets on Monday night, like killed them on the glass. When effort is a question, Josh Hart will make you pay. When effort is a question um, from the opponent, Christian Brown will make you pay. And that was the guy that I saw um, 
when I saw him just, you know, fighting for second chance opportunities and, and extending possessions, like that means, a, and guys recognize that guys see when you are not playing selfishly and when you're, when you're, you know, just exerting extra energy for the benefit of the team. And as a rookie, you can't ask for anything more out of this dude than to, than to just do that, which he's, which he's done in spades. Uh, no surprise that uh, Michael Malone loves him. He hits all the Michael Malone pleasure centers, long, defensive, effort that i mean it, it, that's the centerfold for michael malone is it not i refrain i plead the fifth <laughs> all right on that note we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back the nuggets inc podcast is presented by avaca tv a proud sponsor of the denver nuggets and colorado avalanche and the most affordable option in colorado to watch regional sports for just 25 dollars a month subscribers can access abs nuggets Rapids, and yes, even Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. Vaca also offers dedicated channels for college athletics in Colorado, including CSU, DU, Northern Colorado, and Metro State. As one Twitter user aptly said, it's like the Netflix of Colorado sports. There are no contracts, and subscribers can pause or cancel at any time. Sign up at avaca.tv. Back again. With Mike Singer here on the Nuggets Inc. podcast presented by Evoca TV. So, Jamal Murray, we haven't talked about him yet. He has been, I guess, up and down is his best way to put it. Uh, there's been moments here or there. He had some good moments in the second half of the Lakers game offensively, where he and Jokic were sort of displaying that great chemistry that they have, uh, that two-man game uh, defensively. Work in progress. Yeah, um, it it was really stark uh, to me in the Portland game, uh, where you just see all these levels of breakdown um, on the perimeter, and then at the elbow, and then getting to the lane. And why does that happen? I think that Jamal Murray is still hesitant defensively. I think he doesn't. He's still uncomfortable when screens come from strange angles and. Uh, he doesn't know how to navigate them. He doesn't know how to navigate contact, and that has a cascading effect because that pushes Nikola Jokic up in pick and roll. Um, he's not great on an island, and then that just opens up the lane. I mean, I think coming into the Lakers game, teams were shooting 78% uh, on the Nuggets at the rim. That is an, a ghastly number. Yikes. Although they've never really had great rim protection. Last year, they were the worst in the league um, at, at rim protection, but this was a different level. Um, so, you know, it starts at the point of attack. That's kind of what we've been talking about the last couple games is, you know, with KCP and Bruce Brown, those guys can get in your grill and, and can fight around screens. And I think Jamal is is working his way back from that. And that's, I mean, these are the battles that he's fighting. Yes, defensively. Uh, and then offensively, th- there's rhythm stuff against the Lakers in the first half. He was forcing his shots. Um, in the third quarter, to your point, he, he did regain that 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 stride a little bit with Nicola and and you know he's like that one pass where he like drove on two or three guys hung in the air turned around and floated it back to Joker for the for the little floater for himself um, and he's kind of carving up defenses with his little bounce and his step back so it's coming for Jamal um, but it, you you know you see the frustration I think he finally hit a three pointer in the fourth quarter raised his arms up I think one of seven on the night. 
and refused to do the uh, blue arrow routine after that. I don't know that you can. I think you have to be shooting above thirty percent to do the blue arrow. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's in the marketing deal. Um, and uh, and you know, I talked to Jamal last night. I talked to him in the locker room, and I was just like, you know, where's your head at? Are you are you? Is there frustration? And he's like, Nah, man, I'm just missing shots. I'm missing wide open shots. And of course, Jamal would not concede an inch. I'm like, all right, dude, if you want to go this route, that's fine. Um, he's And I go, how close do you think you are? You know, And I know you said, you've told me before that you always feel like you're the same person, but where do you feel like you're at on your road back? And he's like, man, I, I can't even tell you. I don't know. I, I It's a guess. Uh, and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know. And, you know. Look, it's a it's after a win. He didn't play. He played fine. He had he had good moments. Um, he just the shot isn't there and the defense isn't there. And what you'd expect of a guy who who has an edge to him and who 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 views himself as an all star caliber player, it's frustrating when your body is deceiving you or when your body is not yet where you expect it to be. Um, so I think that you know what Jamal is going to be. Maybe Jamal is normal by you know, quote unquote, normal by Christmas, by the all-star break. Like these are, let's, let's, let's temper our expectations a little bit. Um, that being said, when they're healthy, good God, uh, so much for, uh, so much for tempering those expectations. They've, they've got a lot of guys. It seems like, um, and, and, you know, you could even say like, has Bones Highland really played no, at his level no, yet? Bones is, you know, uh, what did I say? Heckle and heckle and jide. Um, <laughs> Bones is on that heckle and jide kick, and um, he, you know, I just think that there are certain times where he's forcing it. I think he was. I I don't remember what he was I, at some point. Maybe one of ten, one of eleven last night. Taking some bad shots too. Yeah. Uh, some of them were wide open. Some of them were like, if you're not hitting your three, maybe don't do the thirty-five foot three-point shot. Yeah. I think he can do the blue arrow if he's shooting under 30%. Though. <laughs> I think it's uh, contractually in his marketing uh, deal. <laughs> he can he can appropriate Jamal's arrow. Hey, 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 Jamal, can I borrow an arrow? I'm about to go from 40. Um, so, I mean, part of it, there was a lineup in the second half yesterday. Uh, uh, yeah. I, where was it? It might have been fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. It was uh, Bones... Davon, Christian, Jeff, and DeAndre, and it was. It was the first couple minutes. It was the right. Lakers had started the, the fourth quarter 8-0, and that's Michael Malone not doing Bones Highland any favors. Right, and you know what? You know what I was thinking when I was watching that that stretch? If the Lakers were any good, this would probably be like a two-point game right now. Well, Malone wouldn't have let it get there, but because— Lakers missed a lot of shots during that point. Yeah, but he's—you know— he. He's. I think he's trying to get Davon into the game. I think he's trying to uh, figure out what's going on with DeAndre and make that pairing work. Um, but you just put so much pressure on Bones. There are no other creators. I just said Christian Brown fills in the gaps. He's like sand. Davon Reed is that to a, a smaller degree. Jeff Green is not a creator. And if you got the ball in DeAndre Jordan's hand... Um, you might as well concede a fast break dunk uh, from from LeBron. He could do a handoff. He can do a little handoff, uh, come curl off me situation. I, yeah, that's about it. I mean, yeah. I you know okay. So that brings me to another thing um, that I, I feel like needs to be addressed. Zeke Naji has he played any meaningful minutes yet this season? No, he hasn't. This is a guy that people were saying was 
maybe gonna people just out me <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna compete for you know most improved player well i don't know about that because that was definitely not me uh, but, yeah no but i did see that out there yeah i mean zeke was a guy who definitely you know how malone generally wins the presser uh, zeke won training camp um and he won the narrative and the storyline and the breakout guy and um you're right it hasn't happened yet and this is but you know, this is what we said that there was going. This was going to be the order and the direction that this that this uh, quote unquote competition battle went. Um, DeAndre was going to get first crack at it, and uh, DeAndre can still, you know, he can finish lobs. He can somewhat protect around the rim, but when you when you put him in pick and roll, he can't get out. And I mean, he throws some curious passes too um, when you initiate the offense through him. So. In, I think I mean look it's it's conjecture I haven't asked Malone this I do think in due time we're gonna see Zeke this is who has the brighter future man um I wouldn't I need to double check on this I think Zeke's 21 or 22 years old I think he's 21 yeah he's still he's younger than you would think 21 and you know does a lot of things well um about I mean I think the same age as Christian who is just now at, at 21 you know really coming into his own and already contributing. So like, let's try to keep a little bit of perspective. <clears throat> I guess the thing that's, that's disappointing though, is that he's just not getting on the floor that I, I thought I was going to see at least 10 minutes a night from him. And so far, nada. I mean, nothing. I know we're five games into the season, but I am here for jumping to conclusions. <laughs> uh, we're not going to see Zeke till February. No, I, I really don't know. Um, but I, I have seen him, like, there's no sulking. I haven't seen him mope. I haven't seen him downtrodden on the bench. And so I do look for that. I watch body language a lot. Who, who can I tell who is in their feelings? And that's not been Zeke. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the young guys, a lot of the guys, let, let's even talk about Vlatko for two seconds. Not a young dude. Uh, has not really ever gotten his chance. And I don't know when and if that's ever going to come. I mean, he was rolling before his foot injury so i had a chat with him if if injuries happen maybe he gets a chance but you know they're a deep 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 team man i don't like i don't know that malone owes anybody anything right but i mean if you're including deandre jordan in that depth when zeke naji is just sitting there waiting to be played i to me that's the switchable guy he's not gonna have a problem on the perimeter he's I, I don't know if he's the same level of rim protector as DeAndre Jordan. Certainly, you could see that to DeAndre. But outside of that, what what is he doing better? Oh, at this point, it's all. And you look at upside. It's 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 non it's non negotiable. So uh, you raise a valid point, and it will need to be addressed. Uh, maybe I'll address it among the other things I've got on my plate. All right. So we you did bring up Vlatko Chanchar. I did. Um. I've been told, and again, another thing that, that you wouldn't share with me prior to the podcast oh, yeah. is that you and Vladko Chachar have a bet, and it might cost you your career? Yeah, not an understatement. <laughs> so we're in, uh, we're in Golden State for a shoot-around prior, um, prior to the Warriors game, and Vladko's finishing up shoot-around, whatever, and he starts taking the balls off the rack uh, from one baseline, heaving them full court, uh, trying to just bury a basket. And 
he maybe does like six or seven of these attempts. He didn't come anywhere close to the backboard. I'm like, Blacko, you're not even anywhere near, you're not even in the right area code <laughs> of of the the backboard. And he looks at me, he's like, All right, jerk. And I don't think he said jerk. And he goes, uh, I'm gonna heave one and then and then you're gonna heave one. And if I make it, your career's over. <laughs> and then you get an opportunity. And if you make it, I'll quit basketball. <laughs> I was like, Blacko, are, are, we, are we are we good here? Is this are, are, is this official? Do we need to shake on it? Is this does this need to be written in oath? Um, and uh, he misses. I, you know, stretch my arm out, whip it eighty feet. I did hit the backboard. Um, wow. That's, so that's so, impressive. So maybe Vlatko saw his career flash before his eyes. <laughs> uh, maybe, but like probably not though. Uh, and then I was talking with him, and the funny thing is, is he goes, "Yeah, Mike, uh, my contract's guaranteed." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know about my contract." <laughs> um, so the the running joke is that at uh, at shootarounds on the road this year, he said, "We'll continue our contest," uh, and. Needless to say, I hope we both have careers at the end. At the end of this season, I guess I can't guarantee it. Um, but uh, this is—I mean, look, these are guys you don't—you don't see or hear or think about Vlaco. Like Vlaco's still sitting here working hard, like doing his best to uh, establish himself and, and and get an opportunity. There are guys that are eager to play. I mean, Ish Smith—we all raved about him. If if Zeke Naji won training camp, then. Uh, Ish Smith was the co-runner-up, run, maybe he was just the runner-up, <laughs> uh, co along with Vlatko, I don't know, but maybe he's just the runner-up, and like, when we talk about how deep this team is, yes, th- these, are, these are guys who could play elsewhere, um, but Ish comes in after, I think he got some shots up last night after the game, comes into the locker room, and I'm standing there with Aaron Gordon, and AG looks at Ish, he goes, that's my guy right there, that's my guy. And it's like, this team is is close. Like, a lot of the guys rock with each other and are and are and have a, have a really good chemistry and um, support each other. And, and, I mean, I remember, I think Aaron Gordon did his, his media day with Ish, and he was like, man, you used to kill us, every single team you were with. So, like, They've brought in guys who who are supportive, and and there's no real malcontents. Um, w- one one thought I had recently when during the Portland game, um, you know, you could you could chide the Nuggets for being soft uh, against the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers play with more effort; they dominated them. I think one thirty-five to like one ten, something crazy. I mean, they got smoked, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, why is this team soft? Why why where did that muscle go? And that's DeMarcus Cousins and Jermichael Green. Like, you had a pair of, I'm going to call them Bash Brothers last year, that you no longer have, the, the enforcers, the guys who will mess with somebody if somebody messes with Nicola. DeAndre's kind of that, right? Kind of. Uh, I mean, kind of, but I don't know. He doesn't have the same reputation as DeMarcus. Uh, and <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, who is the how do you supplement that and and, ha- and can that be supplemented and obviously this is not a tangible you know attribute that you can look at a team and say this is their guy and they have 12 tough points uh but bruce brown is a little bit of that he's got a little bit of something to him where he doesn't he doesn't take anything when lebron was chirping at him um and saying like man don't like 
you know, don't be puffing your chest out. You made a couple shots. And Bruce Brown told us last night, he goes, uh, sir, your game plan's not working. <laughs> sir, this is not a Wendy's. <laughs> um, and uh, I think it, it's this is a Wendy's. <laughs> we're going to keep that moving. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and so I do think Bruce has, has a little bit of edge to him, which is, I mean, badly needed, but does that come from the backcourt? And do they need a guy who can punk somebody in the front court? Because I don't think that's Jeff Green. It may be DeAndre. I don't know. But Jamichael and DeMarcus, that was the muscle. So do you do you get it in other capacities? Well, on that note, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. We, we, we talked about this preseason. Uh, Nikola Jokic has uh, two triple-doubles, I believe. You Heard it here first. Two, two triple doubles already this season. I think in our second podcast of this after the regular season, you we were buying or selling. You said buy or sell Nikola Jokic uh, triple double. I said buy. I said I'm feeling frisky. Buy, and I and and, and I've doubled down on that. I think he's going to average a triple double. He was uh, an assist short last night from another triple double and I the night before against uh portland he had the nine nine and nine game yeah that's uh he's you know there's a lebron which is i think it's like 25 7 and 7 i think the Jokic is basically double digits uh points and rebounds and like eight or nine assists i think he can engineer his stat line i think he <laughs> i think he i think he can dictate what he wants to do and how many he wants to do and like that doesn't excuse him he needs to be aggressive um, 31 points last night. I think 13 rebounds and nine assists, and and four steals. By the way, uh, yeah, he was great defensively. People, people don't sleep on Joker's hands. You know, you one thing I really uh, appreciate. He'd be great at mixed martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, just like, the like things. Kareem in the uh, Bruce Lee movie. Uh, so, um, what I was going to say, one thing I really appreciated uh, watching him was there was a point during the game last night where uh, essentially he was just beating AD down the court and getting to the rim and getting in position to score around the rim. And that's just a game within the game thing that you just love to see that he sees, oh, this guy's slow to get back. He shouldn't be, but he is. I'm going to go plant myself down in the paint. Are we, are we, are we talking conditioning? And, are, and can I also mention durability? That's, it's durability, really, more than anything. With Joker? Because I saw um, Anthony Davis keeled over with his hand on his back in, in pain, right. which, uh, if I remember correctly, um, he also got hurt. When he got hurt last year, it was also in Denver. Uh, so maybe he doesn't like the mile-high air. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to note about this, I can't even call it a – Budding Nuggets, Lakers, you know, I, I don't even want to use the R word because I don't think it's an R. I think it's a PG-13 level rivalry. <laughs> um, you know, last year the Nuggets beat the Lakers, and what happens on the tail end of that? Frank Vogel gets fired. Nuggets punk the Lakers uh, last night, drop them to 0-4 uh, per the ESPN broadcast that I rewatched. Uh, that's just the second time in LeBron's career he started out 0-4. And I, I saw on online today that some, uh, some gambling uh, sites are already paying out early if you took the under 
on the Lakers. I think it was 44 and a half wins, which. Oh, I wish I would have. <laughs> which, my God. Oh, I wish I would have seen that. I didn't. I wasn't on top of that. That one. Um, oh, my. If they get to 35 wins. Well, I feel like they will have done well for themselves. It's really interesting because you look for you look at market opportunities and when a you know a media outlet or a media enterprise or machine is pushing or incessantly talking about uh, about a, a franchise um like the Lakers and and you know get any outlet outlet X including our Nuggets podcast I joked we led with it like you inevitably are are building up the expectations because uh, intrinsically you're saying we're talking about them because they're relevant. That's why we're talking about them. Why? What makes you relevant? Ostensibly, it's because you win. In the Lakers' case, it's not because they're winning. It's because they're they're just perpetual drama surrounding them. Yeah. Well, they're the Lakers for one. I get it. I and get it. LeBron James is playing on their team. I get it. So, but when you talk about opportunity. You people wanted to believe that they were going to be competitive, and if you remember la- this time last year, um, who was the presumptive favorite in the West coming into the season? It was the Los Angeles Lakers, who, I mean, fell off the face of the earth last year, and, and we learned terrible. very quickly that they are not relevant in the Western Conference. Uh, so why are we to believe that they're real now um, when you got? Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Juan Toscano-Anderson, um, and, you know, I mean... No shooters. It's Yes, None. they got a lot, and our, and our old friend Matt Ryan from uh, the Grand Rapids Gold. So, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I, I, this is not a gambling podcast, but when you're looking at opportunities, say, why is this being hyped up, and is there a disconnect between talent and um, reality? And... Um, with the Nuggets, I don't think there's much of a disconnect. I think that they're going to be really, really good. And, and, you know, jump on that bandwagon and ask yourself, um, if Nikola Jokic averages a triple-double and the Nuggets finishes a top two or top three seed, um, should I be looking at those MVP odds? This is unsolicited advice from Mike Singer, <laughs> Nuggets beat writer of the Denver Post. Uh, what, one last uh, thing on the Lakers. Poor Darvin Ham. Your first job, I mean, you do get to coach the Lakers. That's great. But you're given these ill-fitting parts. Um, Darvin Ham, for those who are old like myself in my 40s, uh, I remember him on the cover of SI, dunking a basketball and breaking a rim. That's, uh, that is what I remember Darvin Ham for. Now he's the operator of one of the worst teams in the NBA. I think that's pretty, at least in the Western Conference. And, oh, what a... Terrible did season he, is going to be. Did he make this bed by, like, I don't know where I saw this, but the idea that he sold himself to the Lakers in the interview process by saying he knew how to navigate the Russell Westbrook uh, situation. Because if you did do that, I don't have a lot of sympathy because you said you you would be able to navigate this, um, hold guys accountable, you know. And, and that Russ situation, man, I talked to some of the Lakers beat writers last night is toxic it's if it wasn't apparent from the outside um as we hear about ad nauseum it is toxic on the inside and you know i think that probably lebron's having some kind of realization like man my 
window might be shut. Yeah. And my, my my windows might have been winterized for the uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, it's a good thing that uh, Rob Polinka got locked up for a few more years. You you want to make sure that the architect sarcasm, is- folks, <laughs> sarcasm. So you also got to see Golden State up close. So what do you think there? Uh, I mean, probably. It's. I said Golden State, the the Clippers, and the Nuggets. I think are going to be their top three seeds, and they're going to be. I mean, not buying the Suns. No, I'm not. Um, but I do think that there's a pretty good chance that we get a conference finals between Golden State and Denver. Um, talk about jumping to conclusions. <laughs> uh, everyone's got to stay healthy, but like, I mean, and that. I mean, volatile situations is Draymond. What's that status? Uh, well, they and they just signed their young guys. Uh, does that mean they're going to trade him, or they're just going to play out the season with it? I mean, if you're Draymond, you understand the Jordan Poole extension. The one that hurts, the one that really hurts, is Andrew Wiggins. Because you got you brought a guy from out of the house, you brought him into the house, and said, Andrew, we're going to serve you first. You're going to get to eat from this buffet line a little bit quicker uh, than our guy Draymond is ostensibly one of our pillars that one stings and so if i'm draymond i'm like all right that's cool you know i got i got one year left and i got a player option um i don't know man do they have, do they take two more cracks at it does draymond say good riddance and i you know if, if they don't win this year you have to think if they win this year that he's got to run it back for a, a potential third i the thing about draymond green and the golden state warriors is that they're kind of like they're perfect parts for each other you know, he fits into what they do great in a way that he probably wouldn't in other places. And they need a player like him more than other places would need a player like him. I had this conversation with somebody who's really plugged in uh, yesterday. Where does Draymond fit uh, if they were to ever to look around? You need shooters around him. Yep. So where else are there shooters like you got Golden State? Yeah, I mean, the only, the only team that came up that made some semblance of sense to me was Boston. Um, you could, you know, w- 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 yeah, I could see that. I mean, but, you know, but they're not at the level of golden state shooters who is. And so could you do it with Philadelphia? Who are the shooters there? Could you maybe Brooklyn? I mean, could you do it with Memphis outside of Desmond Bain? I don't think so. Like where his, his value is amplified in golden state. Um, and so, you know, maybe he recognizes that and it w- I mean, look, let's go down all the rabbit holes. My, the first thought that I had when I saw that video leaked, I thought it was management because, um, you, you know, it's a leverage play if he's and up who for, else has access to it. he's up for an, ex- if he's up for an extension, um, we're going to save ourselves a hell of a lot of money in, in both real, real, uh, contract value and luxury tax. Um, and, and it's a leverage play. Uh, somebody else suggested maybe it was a coach who, who had a, a, a grudge against Draymond was enough, and was tired of his antics. Like there's just, you know, it, it's fascinating and to put it under the microscope of, of a title defense is, I mean, this is what the media does is, is they, they nip and pick at all of the potential tentacles of where that could go. And I mean, it's endless, it's endless with Draymond and the theories there. Um, but 
This is a Nuggets podcast, Matt. Why did you get me? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, I, I felt like I, I wanted. I saw a tangent I wanted to go off on, and I took it. And I, I'm just pinnacle gonna, boy. I'm going to ask one more uh, thing about about uh, Draymond. Okay. Can they win without him? Yeah, that's the thing. Is people don't realize how invaluable he is. I mean, he's guarding Nikola Jokic ably. It's a great point. Who else is doing that? It's a great point. And um, and you know, if you look at their record when he wasn't with them last year, that's when they went on a tailspin. Was when Draymond was not on the floor. Draymond, sorry, excuse me. Uh, I mean, I think Golden State's look good from the jump. I think Boston under their with with all their dramas look good from the jump. It's mm-hmm. like, does this? Do, how much do we overplay this? I mean, does the media, you know, over-exaggerate impact? Never. No. Uh, Although Ben Simmons has not looked great. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're Yikes. right. It's not great. But uh, but up and down, man, the league is in such good hands. There's not – it's so competitive every night. You can't – there's no – there's really no easy nights off. I mean, the Jazz, we'll get another look at them Friday. Everyone was – everyone, was, you know, was clowning on the Nuggets for getting punked on opening night – Cool. The the Jazz are one of those teams that just have a lot of veterans who are unwilling to just fold. Um, Victor, uh, to the Victor go the spoils or not. How do you like that one? Is Danny Ainge, I, I just think Danny Ainge is like cringing watching all these wins and will be dismantling this product uh, over the next few months to ensure that his team uh, does not finish inside the playoffs. You know in Major League how they like rip off a sticker <laughs> at every win? Is there a is there a a naked model of Danny Ainge somewhere? I really hope not. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. I think uh I think that's a great place to end it, Matt. <laughs> I think it is too. Mike, uh always fun uh talking basketball with you. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, like you said, Utah Jazz on Friday. Um, and off we go. Thanks a lot. Turn around. You're living.